Coming up on this episode of the Happy Pair Podcast. Yes, you might want to lose weight. Yes, we might want to put on more muscle. Yes, we want might want to change jobs. That's fine. But right now you are enough. Right now you have enough. And the moment you start to look in the mirror and start to feel inspired by the person you see is the moment you take your own power back. That's our friend Jerry Hussey, performance psychologist and a modern day sage. And welcome to the Happy Pair Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Steve. And we are most grateful for your attention. Jerry is a dear friend of ours. We've worked closely with Jerry over the last year. And how I came in touch with Jerry, we were doing a talk in the Aviva Stadium. And I remember just before our talk, there was this guy on stage that someone had told me, you really got to listen to this guy. And when I started listening to him, I was just like, you know when you're just suddenly brought to that present moment and just struck with the authenticity of what he's saying and it really resonated with me. When I heard Jerry speak, it was like, I found our coach today. That's who we want to work with. And we've worked with Jerry for about the last year just discussing how we can become better versions in ourselves. And in this episode this week, we discuss how everyone listening can become a better version of themselves, how you can become more connected to yourself, you can become more authentic and happier and truly healthier. This podcast is in partnership with SuperValue. We've over 50 food products from hummuses to pestos to granolas to soups in SuperValue stores nationwide. They're wonderful to deal with and big shout out to them for sponsoring this podcast. Jerry is a wonderful human. I think you're really in for a treat here. So round of applause for the wonderful Jerry Hussey. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Uh, Jerry, I'm going to jump in with a real light and fluffy intro, possibly an icebreaker. If you were to describe yourself as a fruit and veg, what would you pick? A fruit and veg? I think I would be... Uh, it's a very serious question. A fruit or a veg or any type of... Yeah. I'm guessing you're a root veg because you're, you're good and you're too earthy. No, I wouldn't. I'd nearly say, and it's, it's not because I'm here, I'd nearly say a pear. Well, because a pear looks kind of strong, but a bit soft. I think people here, I'm a sports psychologist, and they think I'm going to be talking around, yeah, 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 motivation, get up and do it. And then when they hear me talk, I talk about presence, mindfulness, love, self-compassion. So I think uh, I think people, I surprise people at times with the content and I surprise people with um, what really goes on with the work I do. So maybe that's, that's very good. Yeah. That's very wise. Brilliant. So what? So so maybe for anyone who doesn't know you, we know you well and we've heard all your stories and listened to you lots, of, lots and lots of times. So for someone, a listener who doesn't know you, would you give a quick summary of what? You know, a little quick highlights reel and then maybe what, what's interesting you at the moment and what's... Yeah, so uh, my career, from a career point of view, I started as a sports psychologist, as you said. I worked with the Irish Olympic boxing team for three Olympic Games. Uh, Beijing was our first one and we t- inherited a boxing team that had boxers like myself that weren't very good. And because we weren't very good, the Irish boxing team had slipped and we were one of the worst uh, boxing teams in the world at the time. We'd gone probably 20 years without winning anything. Um, we got to the point where the boxing team was so bad that we were dropped from funding from the Irish Sports Council. So when you have no funding, you can't invest in a gym, you can't invest in, in equipment, and you can't give the boxers any money in, in which they can live off. So we started to lose some of our good boxers because they had to earn a living, they have to pay mortgages, they have to, so they went pro, and we were left with a small number of boxers. And really the only thing we could change uh, was the way we trained them and their mindset. We couldn't invest in new technology. We couldn't invest in new tech, in, in new, uh, you know, testing gear. We couldn't buy a new gym. So there was nothing in the physical world that could change. And yet, over the course of 10 years, we brought um, the Irish boxing team from one of the worst boxing teams in the world to number two in the world. 
and we went on eventually to win a gold medal at every weight division, male and female, at every wage group, in, 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 at every level of competition. It sounds great, and it is. it was such a great journey, um, but the truth, as I said, is the conversations you have, and it's around life, it's around purpose, it's around mindfulness, and it's really asking people, what is your life about, and what are you willing to commit your heart and soul to? not just your brain, um, and as psychologists, sometimes people think we, we talk about the brain, but psychology is a study of the psyche. People might know that. People think that psychologists have something to do with the brain. We do, but the actual study of the brain is neuroscience. It's this, uh, ology means study of, so psychology is study of the human psyche, and psyche is soul. And for me, that's what I'm interested in, the soul of the human being and what makes the soul come alive. Beautiful, jeez, what an intro Just to bring it back a little more I know you're one of eight kids, Jerry. What was feeding time? Like, how did your parents feed you? And what was that like? And what kind of food relationship did they foster in you? I think, uh, yeah, it was eight kids and, uh, And I've only one kid So I can only imagine how my parents did it I think it was simple food. Uh, I don't remember opening packets a whole lot. I remember peeling stuff. And I think that's something my mother always says, you know, I'd rather peel it than packet it. So we peeled veg, we peeled spuds, we peeled carrots, carrots, turnips. But meals were kind of made into a process. And I know a lot of people now would say we don't have time. For me, there was a whole process that went on. And I remember... You know, so we talk about primary food and secondary food in the work I do. And, and secondary food is actually the work, is the food you eat. Primary food is actually nothing to do with food. Primary food is f- the stuff that nourishes your soul and your spirit, which is love, fun, laughter. And I remember helping my mother bake. My mother makes and still makes me apple tarts and sends them up, even in lockdown, sending me up apple tarts. And I remember making the apple tart. And that nourished me because... At the time, I had a strange relationship with my dad, and thankfully we have a great relationship, but I had a strange relationship with my dad, but I had an incredible, my mother was my rock. And for me to spend time in the kitchen where it was just me and her, and I think the reason I love apple tarts is because it reminds me of the connection with my mum. So when we made the dinner, when we sat around the table, we were being nourished as much about the laughter, the fun, and the time. My parents always made sure they were there for dinner. They always made sure that they made time to speak to us. I remember even my mum, because, you know, we grew up in a house where there wasn't much money. And one of the reasons my mum says she married my dad because he was so loving. And every evening he'd come home, he'd put one of us up on his lap. And as before he would even eat his dinner, he would say to my mum, have, have all the kids eaten? And she'd say, yes. And he'd say, have you eaten? Yes. And only then would he eat. But I remember the times where I'd be sitting on his lap and eating. And I was being nourished as much by the love, the kindness. I'd be looking at my dad and I saw him as this giant and I'd be sitting in the arms of this giant and I'd be eating his dinner. And I think we need to turn meals back into something where we're nourished, of course, from a physical point of view. But also, can, can we take technology away from the meal table, even if it's only for 20 minutes? Can we have a, a conversation? Can we turn on some music? And, and I know preparing food takes up a little bit of time, but it's a gift to children because they get 10, 15 minutes of undivided attention where they get to create something, shape something. So for me, I think all mealtimes, and you met my little, my little boy this morning, all mealtimes should be as much around nourishing the spirit as nourishing the body. And it's trying to bring in a simple routine 
that means that when we're at dinner, we're present for these few moments, we're having conversations, we're looking each other in the eye, and we're turning off the external distraction. There's no TV on with news bombing in on top of us. And I just try try focus on the food and 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 the, and, and the presence also. I think family and the family meal and that sense of sitting down together is such a it's such a sacrament. It's something that's so special and so savoured and something that we can take for granted. And it's but I love the idea of thinking beyond food as stuff you stick in your mouth to it actually you know inputs that nourish our soul i had one uh, a story on the topic of like so like we eat a real healthy diet a friend just moved over from dublin out to greystones and uh, he was kind of real into a raw food diet and very into getting this maximum nutrition in the physical form as he could and it was almost like in search for perfection like you Absolutely know the perfect, perfect. And, perfection. and he came down to the beach at sunrise he started swimming with us every day and we'd have cake regularly and we'd have cake to celebrate at someone's birthday. Yes! And it was like a five-year-old birthday party. Everyone, just this real sense of jubilance, joy, presence. You felt like a little child. Uh, and, and he kind of refused cake. And it was only after a few weeks that I kind of was having a discussion. It's really important. Like, cake can be healthy too. Cake is a wonderful ability to punctuate an occasion, to celebrate a sense of joy, jubilance, a break from the norm. Suddenly it's like, whoa, what fun! Uh, and, and through that journey, I think he's kind of come to the realisation that cake can be healthy too. There's a room for that. It's an of opportunity course. to punctuate, to celebrate, to, to move on. So I think I really relate to what know, you're saying. For me, it's, it's, everything is about balance. And the one thing I'd remind everybody is, and when I tell people this, they, they kind of panic, but then it settles them down. Whether you believe it or not, but you can work it out, your average life expectancy is 900 months. But it gets better. We sleep 300 most of us, most people listening to this, myself included, have around 600 waking months on this planet. And my age, I probably have 300 left. And there comes a time when you have to say, what is my life about? And we have to be in that space where I'm allowing myself to be healthy and well so that I can live in the present moment. We know the good brain axis is a real important thing. So if I'm eating bad food, processed food, too much caffeine, then it makes me anxious. It makes my ability to be present really diminished. So I want to eat food that allows me to be present. I want to eat food that allows me to be healthy in the future. So my little boy is only seven months old uh, and, and I'm no spring chicken. But I'm thinking it's probably... 25 to 30 years away till he gets married and the one thing I visualise every morning I've built this into my morning routines I wake up and I see the morning he gets married married to a man woman it doesn't matter but I see, my, I see him in a suit and I see myself tying his tie and giving him a kiss and telling him I love him and for me that's really important now I know there's a role I need to play in my own health and wellness to make sure that happens so food and choices is one part of that Exercise is another. So we, we have this balance to play where I want to be healthy in the moment. I also want to live healthy in the future. But getting to the future isn't just the income either. We need a sense of joy and fun and laughter. I think if we become obsessive about food or obsessive about anything, I think obsession about anything is just masking an inner hole. People that become addicted to or obsessive about, they're trying to meet an inner spiritual hole. And what I call is a hole in our soul. So we get addicted to social media. We get uh, addicted to work, addicted to a certain type of diet, addicted. And it's all fear driven. And in a life that's so short, in a life that's so beautiful, in a day that's so short, in a day that we'll never get back again, 
we have to make a choice whether our life is going to be driven by fear or by love. And there's only two human emotions. And sometimes you have to love yourself enough to enjoy the moment, to be present, to eat the cake and really enjoy it. It's, cake is not the enemy. It's, maybe it's the amount of cake. But when we know why we're eating cake and when we, we're not hard on ourselves and we might have a bad day of diet today, but that's fine. Let's start again tomorrow. So I think we have to bring that level of compassion into ourselves. We also have to bring a balance. My life is about being healthy in the moment, but also staying healthy for the future. That's really important. Disease is lack of ease. If you listen to the word, we think a disease is a physical thing. But many of our diseases right now are actually lifestyle based, either through too much stress, too much anxiety, too much cortisol, too much adrenaline, too much processed food. And a disease, a lack of ease in the mind or a lack of ease in the spirit, a lack of ease in the gut becomes a physical disease. So we have to be healthy and we need as much information as we can on what simple good food is. But we also can't make food the enemy. Food cannot be the enemy because we need to turn our issues and we need to have fun with food and we need to have fun with life. And, uh, you know, the job I do is I just ask questions, people questions sometimes. And the question might be, Right now, have you enough fun in your life? Have you enough laughter in your life? Have you enough joy in your life? And it's amazing how many adults simply don't. And if your soul is not being nourished on a joy, fun, laughter, then we're going to start craving and becoming obsessive about physical stuff, food, work, money. The ultimate thing that will nourish us is the relationship we have with ourselves. So you met, you know my wife Miriam and Miriam introduced me to things called green juices. So only a few years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm a late bloomer, a late developer and I come from a farming background. So the first time I tasted a real green juice, I spat it out and I said, that either tastes like grass or cow poo, one or the other. <laughs> but I've managed, when I know why and the importance of them and I know what they do for the gut and how they alkalize. So now I've actually began to like them. And there is a, a real importance in looking at our diet and things like green, green juice. But there's also an expression that I use and it says, no amount of green juice will alkalize a toxic self-image. So when we talk about our chemical self, our chemicals is responding to our food, of course, but it, it is also responding to our thoughts and emotions. And if we have inner anger, inner disease, if we have anger, judgment or inner fear, then our central nervous system believes the world is full of threat. So it starts to switch on stress-based chemicals and we can actually be the ones that are making ourselves sick so when we talk about the hole in the soul one of the really important ways to start is to listen to the way you speak to yourself and ask yourself at times do you speak to yourself in a way at times do you say things about yourself to yourself that you wouldn't say to a child or that you wouldn't say something do you say things to yourself that you wouldn't say to somebody you love and why and I think now when we start to look at a healthy diet, it's also a healthy diet of food, of course, really important, but a healthy diet of nourishing thoughts, nourishing beliefs, that I have an inner voice that nourishes me. I have people in my life that nourish me and I have things in my life, whether it's my career, whether it's the things I do, I sing, I dance, I laugh, it nourishes my soul. And I think it's really important that we have to realize that health and wellness is so much bigger than the physical. That's only one dimension of our three dimensions. Joy, fun, laughter, presence. And all of that begins with the relationship you have with yourself. When you can integrate that into a healthy physical diet and a healthy exercise, I think now you're onto something really special. Makes total sense. Um, so 
the the word presence you've used a number of times and nowadays we're living through a period where people are kind of seeing oh i must do write a gratitude journal i must do yoga my mindfulness i must and, and it can be quite stressful in modern day society and social media people trying to live their their best life keeping up with everything it, it can be quite demanding and uh, that topic of presence i know you're into boxing and you see boxing as meditation can you speak a little bit about the topic of presence for people who see presence as this you know spiritual act that one has to meditate and maybe that it's possibly a little bigger than that or or how do you perceive it or i think you look at process and outcomes so the outcome we want to feel is presence joy fun laughter the process is irrelevant so the process for you might be yoga a sea swim the process for me might be boxing All it is is something that engages your heart, soul and mind. So when I'm in the ring, it's just something I love doing. This is the boxing ring. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Someone's dancing, acting, painting. I just love being there. And particularly with boxing is you have to be focused on that moment or it's because everything is happening right in front of you and everything you need to focus on is right in front of you. So you have a single point of focus. Your central nervous system, boxing is that beautiful blend of aggression but control. You have to be present. You have to be calm. If you go in and you're working from your amygdala, your limbic brain, it means your prefrontal cortex is shut down and your prefrontal cortex is where your peripheral vision, your depth perception, spatial awareness are. And people who have to manage the ring, that's actually what we need. So boxers, you have to, we talk about bodies, uh, hearts of fire, minds of ice. You have to be present and you have to manage that aggression. So a lot of people think boxing is kind of like someone hits you, hit back, but it's not really. You have to create a gap between stimulus and response. So he hits you. The first thing you have to identify is why did it hit me? Because if you don't identify that and change it, you're going to get hit again. And sometimes you can make the fight a lot harder uh, than it actually is because you start getting angry you start getting aggressive you start making all the wrong decisions and now the fight becomes harder what I discovered about boxing is the enemy 90% of the time my biggest enemy in the boxing ring is in my mind it's my own mind it's my own beliefs and it's the emotions I'm t- attaching to so I love boxing but I also love yoga uh, I love sea swims and I try different things but it doesn't matter what you do. So you're not the world's best meditator, the world's best yoga. I certainly was not the world's best boxer. I was Paul Ireland's worst boxer, but I could still enjoy it. But we have to take away judgment. We're very good at judging ourselves. And we have all types of technology that we wear now. Did you have the right run? Did you sleep enough? We even have a technology now that will judge your meditation for you and tell you if the meditation was good or not. Do you ever hear anything as ridiculous in all your life? One of the biggest gifts you can give yourself is non-judgment. And non-judgment is I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best in this yoga class, but I'm having good fun. I'm not comparing myself to others. Like, would you say that we're possibly, we've moved to a stage of society where we're possibly overanalyzing things and not being present with the reality of what it is? Well, once we go into the analytical thinking, so that's the brain and the skull. The brain and the skull has one major role in life to keep us safe. So it is actively scanning our environment for threat. Now, that threat could be in the present moment, it can be in the past, or it can be in the future. The brain doesn't distinguish. So the brain is a fear-based machine designed to keep you away from danger. So when you're thinking in your brain, you're trying to avoid danger. When you go into your heart, your heart doesn't know danger. Your heart only knows love. And when you live from the heart, you're living from a place of love. And it's a completely different way of seeing the world. 
we analyze because we're so fear like we you know people say you know i did a marathon what time why is the time important you know i meditate how long do you meditate for why is that important what type of yoga do you why is that we need to put people and things in boxes instead of just saying i'm going to go out for a run and when i come back i'm going to be able to say that i took time to see the field I stopped in the middle of the run and I took a moment to see this incredible bird move along. And then I was running and then I saw the, the sea and I just stopped and saw the sea. And I think that's, what, that's why we run, so that we awaken the mind, we awaken the body, but we have this deluded ability, thought that sometimes exercise has to be about getting tired. And if you leave the gym absolutely exhausted, that was some type of good training session. But did it awaken your mind? Maybe you went into the gym high in cortisol and you listened to this loud music and someone shouting at you in a boot camp class and it actually just drove your cortisol levels even more to the roof and did more damage to your good health. So for me, exercise is about moving you from a place of distraction, a place of disease, a place of uh, misattention to a place of ease, a place of grace, a place of love. And it actually doesn't matter what exercise you do. It doesn't matter what the practice is. It's the principle. Did it teach you non-judgment, non-comparison, non-striving and non-resistance? And any exercise that gets you to embody those principles is now an important exercise. Not because of the exercise itself, because of the principle it moved you into. Analyzing in essence, you said, is to keep us away from fear. And it's also part of it is to compare ourselves to where we, where we are in the pecking order against mm-hmm. whoever we're comparing. Mm-hmm. So for anyone listening who has a habit of overanalyzing things and comparing themselves to other and possibly living in their head too much, how would you recommend to get them back more living in their heart from a sense of love as opposed to a sense of fear? Yeah. Uh, and I, let me say that, you know, the reason I'm so passionate about, uh, uh, about this journey about this life is that when I was growing up I was a kid with zero confidence I had a really bad stammer I couldn't speak I probably undiagnosed but I, I, I suffered depression all the time I just the world was a dark place I believed that I had little good in me I believed that and I would I probably got to a stage where at around 11 or 12 years old I would have been contemplating my own suicide that's where I started and I started asking questions simple questions like what's causing this and then that question moved to who's causing this. And I suddenly realized by reading books like Man's Search for Meaning, looking at where the mind exists, looking at the body, not just from the physical reality, but looking at me, Jerry. So there's a part of Jerry that's physical, of course, but Jerry can lose nearly all of his physical. I'm still Jerry, my personality. And I started this incredible journey and I was so blessed that my mom and my dad backed me. They backed me and they gave me time and space when I needed days off school because I couldn't go, they give me time off school. My mother searched secondhand bookshops and bought bought books on consciousness and man search. And I suddenly realized that the person that was stopping me from being happy was me because I was comparing myself to my brothers and my sisters. They were excellent at really great stuff. So they have all very good careers, but practical careers. You can see what they do. I was interested in philosophy, quantum physics, People thought I was stupid. People thought, and I started to buy into what other people believe. So I started looking around me and because I wasn't the person that I believed I should be, I started to hate the person that I was. And I think we have to start by accepting who I was. So a simple tool trick I did was I discovered a, a, a lady called Louise Hay. You probably know her in her book, You Can Heal Your Life, when I was 15 or 16. 
and I started trying to say nice things to myself like I'm a kind human being I'm loving and I noticed how hard it was for me to say it and then even when I did say it I couldn't believe it but I have this rule unless you try something for a hundred days forget anything else a hundred days so I said I'm going to promise myself I'm going to do this every day for a hundred days and I started rebuilding a new self-image. I started rebuilding. I could say to myself things like, after a few weeks, I am a kind human being. I am loving. My gifts are not the same as everybody else, but they are my gifts and they are special. And then after a little while, I started coming up with my own little expressions. I used to say to people, I am the greatest me that ever lived. It sounds great, but yeah, I'm, I'm the only me. It's easy to be yeah. the greatest me. And I got a picture of my self as a one year old child standing on a washing machine I don't know why I was on a washing machine but it was and I was about to blow up my birthday cake and I had these big eyes and I was really happy so I put that picture in my wallet and every time I started comparing myself every time I started telling myself that I wasn't good enough I would take that picture out and I would just look at them and I'd say are you really going to speak to that boy because our inner child is still listening so for me oxytocin which is a powerful drug that's released by the system when when we feel connected when I looked into the eyes of that little boy that picture my body started to release oxytocin and I had to hold my account myself accountable you would not speak to a bit so, and I think we all need to do some type of work however small it is where we spend time every day doing two things one is affirming who we are affirming that we are enough exactly as we are yes you might want to lose weight yes we might want to put on more muscle yes we want might want to change jobs that's fine but right now you are enough right now you have enough and the moment you start to look in the mirror and start to feel inspired by the person you see is the moment you take your own power back now life is not something that's happening to you now you are the person in your life making it happen for you because you do believe you deserve it. A building cannot stand any bigger or a building cannot stand outside the size of its foundations. We know that. If I built a building that's outside of its foundations, it's going to fall down. And your life cannot be any different, bigger or better than your beliefs about yourself. And yes, most people, what do you believe about yourself? Do you believe that you are beautiful, that you are special, that you are incredible, that you are gifted? And do you believe that you are a walking, talking energy field that has infinite potential to love, to forgive, to dream and to imagine? And what if for one moment, what if for one day you had no fear? What if for one day you believed in yourself 100%? What if for one day you were no longer defined by your past? And what if for one day your future was anything you wanted it to be? What would that do for you? And what would you do then? And then go do that because that is who you are. And when we get out of the habit of being self-critical, out of the habit of giving out to ourselves, judging ourselves, and we break up with our past, it doesn't matter who you've been in the past. It doesn't matter what happened to you in the past. You can leave it behind. Every cell in your body is regenerating all the time. There is not one cell in your physical body that was present five years ago. We know that. So if you're getting a whole new body, why not get a whole new mind? So, so what I'm here, here now is, so, so it's how we can live more from our heart where we're living from a point of joy and excitedness about life and we're less analytical in our brain, we're less fear-focused. Like, it's such a simple, basic thing, 
but there seems to be so many barriers in my life when I think of it and in everyone's I imagine in everyone listening's life we all want to believe we're great and we're kind and we're loving and and there's infinite possibilities in the life what are the main barriers that are stopping people what are environmental factors that are affecting people and limiting us from I think I think distraction I think we're actively distracting ourselves to death um, and into disease I think we need to stop and become aware so we need to start observing ourselves so how present where are the moments are present in my life we're going to the stage now where we nearly bring a phone to a bathroom we just need to be distracted all the time and that's the habit we've built the habit so we have to look at how many moments of presence can I build into my day so that might be as simple as when the kettle is boiling I take five deep breaths now what we know scientifically five belly breaths most of us are not even breathing right but if we're breathing from our belly five belly breaths take us from sympathetic nervous system which is fight or flight to parasympathetic nervous system rest digest so switch on the kettle five deep breaths before I open the laptop, five deep breaths. I sit in the car, five deep breaths. So we start to build in these simple habits. Wake up in the morning, before you go for your phone, stop and visualize who's the person I'd like to be today. What's the gift I'd like to give myself today? What's the person I'd like to meet today? And can I be that person? What can I be grateful for? So your life is not defined by what you know. So we know all of this deep down. We, I haven't said anything today that people probably don't know already. But it's not defined by what we know. It's defined by what we do. We have to make these daily habits, whether it's around gratitude, five deep breaths, whether it's around waking up in the morning and starting with some self-affirmations. We have to stop being distracted. Your life is not happening in a phone. Your life is not happening in television. It's not happening in a radio station. It's not happening in someone else's life. Your life is happening inside your own mind. It's happening inside your own heart. Your limits are not what other people say they are. Your limits are simply what you say they are. And the limits of your world are only the limits of your mind. So invest more in your inner world. Spend more time throughout the day listening to your own thoughts. Asking yourself questions. What brings my heart to life? Can I do more of that? What people in my life make me feel enough? Can I spend more time with them? And when we do stop outsourcing our health and happiness, now we realize that it is us that has the choice about what we eat. We have the choice about the words we use. We have a choice about the routines we put in place or don't put in place. And when you start to activate your power of choice in life, you awaken a power where you're no longer a victim. And now you can consciously manifest a life that has a different emotion, a different biochemistry and a different neurocircuitry because it is you that is with conscious intent creating those chemicals and that new physiology of the body. Beautiful. I feel like Jeez. I feel like clapping. Well, right? I, just, I just took down notes. What brings my heart alive? Like what a fucking question to ask yourself first thing in the morning. What makes my spirit alive today? And you kind of go, well, it's probably not doing me email. <laughs> you know, and it's probably not, you know, you could think of all sorts of things, you know. So, uh, so, so if I was to, uh, and everything you've said is amazing. For anyone listening there, and we're right now, we're living through a global pandemic and there's stressful times and it's difficult. And for, for the person listening going, oh, that's very well and good for you, Jerry. And that's very well and good for you, the happy pair lads swimming in the sea and oh, you're really privileged. 
what what practical tangible advice that you could give and i i really appreciate the sense of the five breaths is really practical really pragmatic the sense of what type of being considered about how we want to live each day i think is an incredible one to look at self-belief i think is equally as phenomenal what are the beliefs we're telling ourselves are there any other nuggets that people could apply any listener could apply on a day-to-day basis i would say very simple and you probably better than this my wife who's you know in some ways my mentor um got me on hot water and lemon in the morning and to wake up the digestive enzymes it sounds so simple but makes such a difference and you can put some ginger in it you can put some uh, apple cider vinegar because we need to wake up the digestive enzymes so i think start your day in the right way so as i'm having my hot water and lemon that's when i do my my prayers because i have a faith i do my prayers and i do my gratitude that's when i do my five deep breaths i've built in a routine also then look at the things you do every day so people say oh i'm not very good at daily habits but we all brush our teeth every day we all shower every day so we are good at habits so as you shower why don't you get a little yellow post-it and stick it on the mirror that says i am enough i have enough my dreams matter and as you're brushing your teeth just say those things each of them say them three times each when you're in the shower you make a choice i'm going to stop and i'm going to breathe Finish with a cold shower is really important so we can have a nice warm. Then the last 60 seconds, a nice cold shower re-energizes, re-wakes us up. And then throughout the day, how many times can I stop and take a deep breath? Stop and take five deep breaths. And I think for me, it's, it's nothing more complicated than that. It is allowing your gut to do what it's meant to do, produce serotonin, boost your immunity, activate the mind to be calm. It's that moving we have to bring movement into our life. So that's why emotion is energy in motion. So when I feel anxious, or I feel stressed, it creates energy in the body. And that's why we need to move it. So whether it's dancing, singing, yoga, boxing, jumping, it doesn't matter. Move the body and move it regularly. And then just listen to the words you used about yourself and listen to the conversations you allow yourself to get caught up in that. Speak only about the things you can't control. Speak about the future you want. Speak about the things you love, not the words, not the things you don't. So a lot of us focus on what we fear, not what we love. Switch that and finally get rid of the word but because but is the graveyard of all dreams. So I could say, lads, I'd love to meet you in the morning for a swim, but I think it's going to be raining. Now, just because I said the word but, do you think I'm going to be there or not? Definitely not. So i will say, lads, I'd love to meet you for a swim in the morning and... That triggers a different part. If people want to practice that, it triggers a different part of the brain because but means back off, get out of nowhere. And means I'm stepping forward. And it's going to be raining, so I'm going to bring my jacket. Exactly. Boom! Exactly. Game changer. Okay, just a, a couple more quicker questions. Okay, if you'd invite a hero, let's not just say for dinner, you'd invite someone that you really admire, a hero, someone that you'd really long to have breakfast or have a cup of coffee, be, a cup of tea. Can it be three people? <coughs> three three <laughs> be more fun. Three people, who would they be? And they can't be your wife or your son. Okay. The first one uh, might surprise people is Jesus. Why? Not necessarily that I believe he was this great being that became God. In fact, I think if there was a divine in the the Bible, I think it was Mary that was the divine. I think Jesus was an incredible human being. But he overcame ego. He overcame the need to be angry at people. He overcame the need to be accepted by people. He tuned into his own destiny and he lived it. And he lived from a place of non-judgment, non-comparison. He extended forgiveness everywhere he could. But also we see human Jesus. We know he he panicked. We know he was worried at times. 
but he was never defined by his worry. He always found this inner strength to believe in himself and to live his own life on his own terms without having to impress people or judge people or be angry. And I think that's just an incredible place that every time he met people, he was more interested in them than he was in himself. He wanted to know their name. He wanted to know their story. And uh, he saw the humanity in people. And I think if we in this world could stop seeing people through colour, creed, race, you know, skin colour, and just see the human being that's sitting right in front of us, whether it's a homeless person on the street or whether it's a present, we're, we're so angry with each other now and we're so angry. If we could just see the human being in front of us, the soul that's sitting in front of you, every single human being has a story, a journey, and if we could just be kinder. So I think he inspires me because he overcame that anger and, and he just allowed people to be who they needed to be. But that didn't stop him from being who he wanted to be. The second person I would love to have is Deepak, Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra is the person I first heard 25 years ago saying there is nothing solid in the world, that everything is a constant state of change. And now we know the body is. We know even the body is in constant change. He was the first person that I heard talk about the the self. The, the, so uh, and he's the doctor, but he talked about the self um, is not in the body. He was the first person that I saw explain the science behind why the mind and the brain are separate and why the, the body is in the mind and the mind is free from all physical um, realities, which I, I think is incredible. Um, the third person would be maybe Louise Hay. I think for a lady of that time who A, was a lady and B, uh, had a, a belief around consciousness that people laughed at and she went to publishing company after publishing company and they laughed her and turned her down and she opened up her own company and she founded Hay House and I think she has given voice to a whole new world of people and professionals who see the human being and the universe through a whole new world. She was one of the kindest human beings. I think when you listen to her voice, she's gentle, but she had to be very strong as well. So I'd like to meet Louise Hay. Jerry Hussey, you're brilliant. You're a gift, genuinely. And uh, that was beautiful. Really. Thank you so Thanks much. So much. Thank you so I much. That and Jerry has a book coming out. For anyone listening, Jerry's a book coming out next summer. Um, get it fast. There'll be pre-orders coming on soon. Get it before it sells out. It's going to be, you know, a game changer. And where do people find you, Jerry? Yeah, my, my myself and my wife have a, a business called Soul Space. So soulspace.ie um, and you'll see all our work there. And my Instagram is uh, at Jerry Hussey, I think. And the book is Awakening Your Power Within. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry Hussey. And thank you to anyone who listened. Thanks, Mill, for your attention today. I hope you got as much out of it that we did. I know I was busy taking notes and the pair of us are about lit up after it. Uh, today was brought to you in partnership with SuperValue, where we've got a full range of happy pair products and food and delicious nourishment. And we've been working with SuperValue for years now and they're wonderful. So the next guest we have is Roz Purcell. She's someone who's inspired us for years. Former Miss Universe Ireland, ex-model who traveled the world, and now she's a voice for change. She's a wonderful role model for women, for men, and a great voice in terms of practical mental health issues and what she does. It's really a wonderful, vulnerable, open conversation. So please tune in for that. Hit us up on social media and let us know what you've thought of this or any future guests. Thanks a million and wishing you all the best. <laughs>